Video. It's the only way to get what you want to watch when you want to watch Hello, it. Hello, my name's Justin McClure, and I'm here today with... Mark Hansen. And you're listening to the Bay Street Video Podcast, where we go through all of this week's notable Blu-rays and DVDs live from Bay Street Video. We're back, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah. We are in the store. I can finally it's, fondle it's these discs. <laughs> Just what, touch them. When was the last time we were here? I feel like... We did a one-off before Christmas, I think? Yeah, because <laughs> Christmas in Ontario, everything shut down mm-hmm. again, and we went back to curbside for a bit and yeah things are back open now but we've been taking it slow i think that it is important that you can walk into stores and browse yeah. and be like oh i didn't know that came out you guys have been doing a really good job of putting photos online as well yeah and that's good sometimes because i would miss things when i'm browsing but it really makes a difference to be like oh what is this and you pull it off the shelf you look at it and you're like all right and then you're stuck in the moment you're like i need this now because if you could have thought about it you'd be like i don't need this so exactly. that's good for the right. store right it is good and our business is like back up and booming again and you're right i mean us being online kind of just defeats the purpose mm-hmm. of us being a store They'd not be that like, we don't want to have an online presence but you know we're a video store why not the point go to of amazon video store, yeah the point of video there's enough online retailers already that the point of a store is to come in so now we you're are. open and you can pick up all of the blu-rays that we well actually not all of them because some of them are sold out right <laughs> yeah but we'll be getting more anything we talk about that's sold out i guarantee we'll get more stuff. but first off we have a new release from gold ninja video oh wow that's an interesting company Who oh i that? love gold ninja video <laughs> yes this is my company i make sure that every time that there's a new release we put it right up <laughs> right at, the, at front. the top and this, this is an is, exciting one though. i mean they're all exciting mark but this one is particular exciting <laughs> it's skip tracer a classic 70s vancouver shot film and it's a new transfer a uh, remaster from a 4K one that was done, as per my request, at the National Archives of Canada. I always say it wrong. It's like, it has a weird name, the Library and Archives of Canada. And so it looks great. And uh, the director, Zale Dallin, did a bunch of special features with me, which include a new commentary track, career retrospective interview, where I made sure it's like, I don't really want to talk about Skip Tracer for this interview. Let's talk about the rest of your career. Right. Because we cover Skip Tracer in the commentary. Uh, I did a little video primer recommending a bunch of Canadian films. There is an unreleased feature film that he made. It's his last one. He shot it on digital technology. I watched part of it. I, I didn't get through the whole thing yet, but uh, it definitely is hard to say because it's got that like VHS mm, kind of look, look to, to it, it which yeah. makes it seem like it's the late 80s or maybe early it's, 90s but maybe it's later I, it's hard to say it's, it's really, interesting because the, the director are hard to pinpoint that film he wanted to like create a new movement and it didn't happen right. even though that he was very enthusiastic about it and the film is very odd that's the second film passion skip tracer pretty straightforward it can be described as like paul schrader-esque with yeah. like a canadian film. oh did you watch it i did of course i have been i guess this film sort of built up a bit of a cult following within Canada. I'd always heard about it, although Mm. I'd never seen it. Uh, I had a lot of like older colleagues here in the past that were big into Canadian films that knew about it and really wished it had been released. I, so I don't know where exactly I heard about it or how you got turned on to it in the first place. When you go looking into Canadian cinema, it's usually at the top of the list of like, yeah. oh, this is one of the good ones. Yeah. You should check it out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you're right. It is kind of like a Paul Schrader-esque character study. One, It is about a repo man, basically. Mm-hmm. And one of my coworkers here was actually asking me, like, do you think Alex Cox saw this movie and like put any of that into his repo man? And I'm like, like, it's not like repo man no it's not like a wacky punk rock sort of like sci-fi thing it's very much like a straightforward character study but it's got a lot of uh tangibility to it like it's Mm -hmm. got a good specificity of place i guess with like you know, shooting on the gritty streets of Vancouver at that time. And it's and got a great lead performance yes. from David Peterson as the titular skip tracer in the film. Totally. Has to go through like a lot of, oh, he's really good at his job. And then something bad happens. And then he kind of has to reevaluate, like, why am I doing this? Yeah. And it's very Canadian-esque in that sense. Because it is about a guy who, he starts on the top and he realizes like, oh no, I'm a loser. Like, yeah, what the can Canadian I do? loser stereotype yeah. gets a good workout here. I really like the actor, yeah, who plays that role. I didn't look him up after. Did he have much Not of a really. Career? He acted. He's got a striking look for Mm -hmm. sure. Yeah, very specific because he's like kind of bald. Yeah. He doesn't look like your regular leading man type, which is why he works so well in this movie, especially as like a tough guy in the film that has to do all this stuff. And it looks great. The scan you did, uh, I mean, yeah, you definitely get that like nice 70s kind of film grain on it. It was shot on 16 Um, millimeter. So you definitely get that grain in there because it was blown up to 35. So. The version that's on this disc, no one said this, but I, I like pre 
oriented and I'm like, oh no, <laughs> I want to make sure that they're not like, it's cropped because when you shoot uh, 16, yeah. unless you use special lenses, you're going to be shooting full screen. And they did frame it so like there would be dead air on the top and bottom so you could crop it and make it look good. And I actually checked the print that Zale sent us a couple years ago. I went to my friend Peter's, I still had it, put it up, reeled it up on my scanner to be like, was it always released theatrically in this widescreen format? And it yeah. was. Okay. So okay. it only existed probably like the negative, which doesn't exist anymore, in the open mat, as it's called, format. Mm-hmm. And I included a VHS version of it just in case you want to be like, what's the information I get on the top and bottom yeah. on this disc? And I saw that. Yeah. And I think that's a great inclusion. I know it's a lot of people would maybe just think it's superfluous, but I think that's really cool to be able to see it in like every kind of way it was supposed to potentially be. There is like a weird open mat cult out there where yeah. they're like, I want to see open mat movies. And it's like, you don't really see anything unless they're like, oh, I hope I see the actor's well, I breasts. I feel like that started. It, yeah, it's not cropped. <laughs> I feel like that started a bit with Kubrick stuff maybe. That's when I became a little more mm-hmm. aware of open mat because when they first released Kubrick's films on DVD, they were full screen because they released the open mat version. Well, you know why he did that, time. right? Because Kubrick believed that TV was the exactly, future of right? viewing cinema and he wanted it to be exactly. presented in that way. And I didn't, at the time, I was like, no, I will only watch widescreen stuff. But then actually watching them, it is a different experience and it it, it is framed that way. In a well, watch way, the movie so. the way that it was shot and yeah, framed. So exactly. Sometimes they're shot in full screen and they're cropped in uh, widescreen, like Impossible Horror was shot 16 by 9, but a lot of it is cropped to 235 and we right. shot it that way because that's the, the goal we want exactly like, why would you watch it 16 by 9 you just get a whole bunch of information on the top and bottom <laughs> that doesn't really matter yeah i always think about that when i watch john landis films because i don't think he shoots them that way but he always has so much dead air at the top <laughs> speaking of dead john landis yeah hey-o. Hey-o. yeah we talk a lot about john landis and being an asshole on this show i think oh i mean good thing his children will continue his legacy i don't know does he have more yeah, than one kid fine right he must have more than just max right let's oh, hope so let's like, hope so <laughs> i hit perfection i I don't need yeah, to do exactly. it again. I've made a mini me and I'm good to go. So Skip Tracer, if you're listening to this, is available at goldninjavideo.com. It is limited to 800 copies. Yeah, these things are limited, so pick them up. It seems like we always get a bunch of your stuff and then they, you know, slowly sell out. And then after we sell out, everybody wants take them it. out and yeah. get like tons of calls. Oh, I heard you had this. I heard you had this. But not Skip Tracer, because Skip Tracer has been selling like hotcakes. Oh, yeah, we video. have got tons. We sold out of our first batch like wildfire and we got a whole bunch more in. So come and pick them up. No refunds, or Mark. Them, or so get them. Or get them from goldninjavideo.com if you're not in the city. So next up we have Brian De Palma's Femme Fatale, his classic heist at cons thriller. I love that opening. You know what? I'm going to credit this film with, I think, spurring on my interest in Brian De Palma because I remember seeing this in theaters when I was a teenager just because it looked like, you know, a sexy adult thriller, you know? And you love those. And I think De Palma, like, obviously I'd seen, like, Mission Impossible, The Untouchables, like, Snake Eyes, some of his big stuff around that time, but I hadn't really, like, delved into his filmography. But I remember seeing this movie and it just blowing me away. I just loved it as a teenager. I love, like, the dream stuff. I love the kind of gotcha twist ending. I just love the surrealism of, of it. And it spurred me on to check out his whole filmography, I would say. And this is one that, has it been on Blu-ray before? Never. Like This is long awaited. Mm. Yeah, it's um, been on DVD. I've ha- I had the DVD. It was one of those great snapper cases back in the day. Oh, there's um, a whole bunch of featurettes that were included yeah, on the DVD that are on here. That's the thing. I think it's just mostly ported over. Uh, There's new stuff. There's an interview with actor Greg Henry and editor Bill Pankow. And Greg Henry is pretty sleazy in this. He's a a good De Palma regular. And yeah, I don't know. I like, I got a soft spot for Rebecca Ramey and Stamos. Well, I guess not Stamos anymore. It's hilarious. (laughs) Is that what it says on the cover? Yeah, it does. And Uh, it's stylish, like a Brian De Palma film is. It is. It's super stylish. Oh no, is it all a dream? (laughs) You know what? I was coming off my like, loving Mulholland Drive, Mm -hmm. like that kind of vibe. So when it was like, spoiler alert, I guess, is it all a dream sort of ending? I just loved it. How can Brian De Palma do that with a straight face? You know, he does it again in Passion. He does it all the time. And you know what? Passion was one of the first films of his that didn't work for me. I oh, it's I bad. I really like that. It I like the original like French film a lot more. Brian De Palma fan film. It does. You know, it, and you could, I get the argument that some people have said Femme Fatale is like a, uh, yeah, Femme Fatale is kind of a 
Brian De Palma greatest hits, but I don't know. It works way better for me than Passion did. So next up, we have The Ghost and the Darkness. And this is a film I remember enjoying watching. Marcus said he's never seen. I'm very shocked by this. Oh, okay. Yeah, I saw this when I was a kid. My memory of it is vague at best. I never was that big a fan of it. I like Val Kilmer a lot. Like uh... I'm a fan of CGI lions attacking <laughs> yeah, people, yeah, yeah. which I this is filled that. with. You see the gif of it on uh, online oh, yeah. all the time. I think of the family. It's a dream sequence, it isn't is, it? Yeah. Where his family gets taken out by a lion. <laughs> which is really funny. That's the one scene I remember just because it's online a lot. But, but we're Stephen Hopkins defenders, aren't we? The man behind I Predator 2. I do love Predator 2. Big Predator 2 fan. You know, I'm sure if I watched this again, I would have a little bit of fun with it. But I remember just kind of being long. Yeah, it's like almost two hours and just maybe I was just too young because I thought it was kind of boring when I was a kid. I'm sure it's probably pretty boring. I feel like it's pretty boring. Mm-hmm. You know, it's got to be kind of boring. Stephen Hopkins is was a weird stylish journeyman who never seemed to like get that hit film, even yeah. though he kept working. Yeah, uh, he worked through it in the 90s pretty regularly. What is the one that he did? I keep calling it Skeleton Key, but it's not, is it? No. We had he... this exact conversation on a previous yeah, episode. Yeah, he didn't do that. Um, it was like in the bayou or something like that. Yeah, what is it? Yeah. Well, I, I think I've seen it too. Listen to a previous oh, it was, episode. Uh, the Reaping. The Reaping. That's Swank, what it is, yes. Uh, which is a terrible film. Absolutely terrible. You know what? The Ghost in the Darkness has a lot of fans. We have been selling this one like really? crazy. I didn't think it was going to be as hot a seller. But um, it's been one of the bigger selling shout titles as of recently. Next up, we have a film that uh, this one has a bunch of fans too, right, Mark? Yeah, hell yeah, you're looking at one. I mean, you better <laughs> love it if you want to pay how much it costs. Listen back to the episode that just happened. You can hear me at one point snort because I saw the price of it. And Mark goes, yeah. Yes, yeah. <laughs> so this is Cursed, the West Craven film. You know what, Mark? Yep. I'm a big fan of Cursed as well. I, I like think Cursed. it is delightful. I think it's delightful It's too. a weird superhero film that ends with like a fight scene in a Hollywood wax museum where one of them is using uh, like Xena's sword. Yep, Cursed was a famously troubled production. Obviously, it was kind of the reunion of, well, Wes Craven and Kevin Williamson getting back together after the Scream series. Kevin Williamson had written new like hip meta werewolf script and Wes Craven's going to make it. And great, you know, this is going to be like huge box office. A lot of tinkering, a lot of reshoots. I believe they shot a version and then reshot. Didn't a it bunch last of the like version. six, ten years? Like it was a long, it was a long time. Product. Well, they shot a virgin, virgin, and then I don't think <laughs> they, it, shot they shot a virgin. They shot a virgin. They shot a virgin. Didn't classic te- last house tested, on the left territory. Yeah, tested horribly, and then they ended up. I think it was kind of like a Dominion Exorcist thing where they reshot mm-hmm. a lot, large stretches of it with new actors in certain roles because I believe there's certain actors who were in the first cut that aren't in the film. I remember seeing this when it came out, being really excited. And you can feel it's a bit wonky, but... I really liked it. You had followed all it, of the I mean, stuff on Arrow in the Head, yeah, all those exactly, updates. Right? <laughs> Not really, but I really like Christina Ricci. I was always a big fan. I like the cat. You know, Joshua Jackson shows up. It's got a lot of those ni- like You like Jesse Eisenberg? Stars. You know, it's an early Jesse Eisenberg role before he was like a, you know, pretentious, serious actor. I went know? back and reread my Letterboxd review and I was like, are they pretend to be like superheroes? That's like vigilantes. Like they yeah. go around like solving crimes and stuff well, like that. Know, and like the werewolf, see, I know a lot of people shit all over the werewolf CGI in it, but I don't actually mind it. There's that some practical much. stuff too. There's like Greg Nicotero yeah. worked on it. It's not all good, but there's some good effects in it. I just don't like the way people shit all over this movie. I always remember Jesse Eisenberg too himself was such a poor sport about this. I think he, it was such a trouble production on, though, that's why. Yeah, he went on Conan, I remember, like for the squid and the whale the year after or something and was like, oh, the last time I was here, Conan, I was here for a terrible movie, the worst movie of my career and that was Curse and he just spent like five minutes shitting all over Curse and I'm like, I liked Curse. <laughs> now this Blu-ray. Now, here it is. It's, it's on Blu-ray. $52. <laughs> so this is a weird, most Shout Factory titles are available through domestic sources, mm-hmm. through our domestic suppliers. For some reason, this one's not. And yeah, if you check Shout's official website, it says available in U.S. only. So there must be a weird Canadian rights issue with this one. Now, because it is a two disc set too, but fifty dollars. Like even me, I'm like, that's a little. I have my DVD. Right. You know, I have the DVD too, and it's like I think it's got the DVD has a lot of features. It's got the unrated. I cut don't think and it's got any so. new features on this either. Looking at the DVD, because I was comparing with my DVD at home, like, well, my DVD is pretty stacked. So they 
hinted that they had the original cut of this. I remember posting about they it. They don't. And, and then they, they don't. And it's just the same unrated Theatrical, cut that they yeah. had on the first DVD, which is like... I wasn't so, hallucinating that, right? People thought that was going to happen. That, when they first announced this, I was so psyched because I'm like, yes, they've uncovered They posted like the a photo of a moon and it's so like, it's coming. Ready. If they had that on this, I would pick this up even for the mm-hmm. price it is. I hope you love Cursed. If you didn't like Cursed, if you didn't see Cursed... Give it a try if you like. I mean, if or you like cheesy late '90s, early 2000s horror. Go to any used DVD store, yeah. and they have cursed DVDs <laughs> for two dollars. It was. I remember Rogers Video, Blockbuster. They had so. I think that's where I got choking my on copy. That's the where cursed. I got my yeah. cursed DVD. I would always get in. It's like three for ten. I was yeah, like, I, I, know, I guess right? I'll get cursed, Why and not? that's how I have it. It's fun though. It's fun. Next up, another movie that Mark loves from oh, Shout yeah. Select. We're just on the shout train today. Choo choo or That's the shout logo, right? Yeah, right. It is. Is a DJ Caruso special. Now, were you ever a DJ Caruso fan? Yes, because he did the Salt and Sea, which I really liked. Right, which was in that wave of like, it's not Guy Ritchie, but it's kind of yeah, like Guy Ritchie. But it was like more, and I don't even really like Guy Ritchie, but it was mm. like that. But LA, in that style, LA that's what they were ripping kind of yeah. thing. And Val Kilmer, you know. Doesn't somebody put their dick in a thing with like a rat at one yeah, point? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what I remember. Oh, yeah. I remember crazy shots in it. Yeah, that's what I it remember. It was pretty, it was a good calling card film. Eagle um, Eye? Hated Eagle Eye, but he did Taking Lies, which is glorious trash. Speaking That's with of Angelina Jolie, uh, and Open Matt, I remember seeing Eagle Eye, and it was Ugh. Open Matt at the cinema, and the boom mic kept falling into frame. Oh yeah, because the guy hadn't cropped it. Uh, I saw correctly. it in theaters too, but I don't remember. It was a bad. Boom mic. It was bad because you know what? I like Disturbia. I had fun with Disturbia. Oh, I forgot about Disturbia. That's where he first worked with Shia LaBeouf, right? And yes. then they did Eagle Eye as their follow-up. Oh right. Disturbia was like a big hit. Maybe I'm confusing them because Disturbia is the one that's like rear window. That's the rear window. Yeah. Yeah, Eagle Eyes like a paranoia, spy thriller, conspiracy yeah. corporate thing. We're not talking um, about any of those. We're but talking now about DJ Caruso is a conservative filmmaker. He's not. So what I heard <laughs> no, was not. that was picked up, or maybe it was a different movie. Like it wasn't made as a daily caller oh, movie. Okay. Daily and Wire, got, yeah. yeah, and it got, but wasn't it? I thought it was from the get go. Well, DJ Caruso is the helmer of the latest Daily Wire movie mm-hmm. with Vincent Gallo, my other my other main man. <laughs> maybe which Mark, is you terrible, need to realize you're terrible. conservative yeah. too. I if know, all your I heroes, so. <laughs> but I didn't like it. I didn't like it. I, okay. I, I gave it a shot, and it's a really terrible, boring movie. I mean, so. we're definitely gonna have to watch the next Daily Wire <laughs> well, movie, you are, right? Western head over here, yeah, with uh, Gina, Gina Carano, Carano in it, and my director Michael Polish, who I have a weird fascination with so i was uh, considering doing an episode on sellouts for the important cinema club and like my <laughs> one name was michael polish right? yeah <laughs> he's the biggest but you know dj caruso i have a fondness for and when this movie two for the money came out i was really excited we to didn't see even it say it for two for the money two for the money with matthew mcconaughey and al pacino i remember going to see this with my dad in theaters because he i thought he'd really like it it's just not good. It's just, bo- <laughs> it's just boring. And, you know, I just put it on the list because this is a funny one that Shout Factory's decided to put out. DJ Caruso did Return of Xander Cage, Triple X. Yes. I love that movie. That I movie still is haven't seen that. It's so that much good? fun. Okay, yeah. maybe I'll give that a shot. I mean, after... But I would say this is... Two for the Money is probably the movie that after that I was like, I don't really care what DJ Caruso <laughs> does anymore. I mean, after these fast movies, I would be shocked if Vin Diesel does any films that are not funded by himself. Yeah, I think he's kind of, you know, kicked himself, shot himself in the foot in Hollywood now. Next up, we have the greatest deal of the year when it comes to Blu-ray. It's the, I can't say his name, Miklos Jankos collection. It's new 4K restorations of the Hungarian filmmaker. Uh, speaking of important cinema club, we did an episode on him called The Labyrinths of uh, Miklos Jankos. Check it out. And this set has The Roundup, The Red and the White, The Confrontation, Winter Wind, Red Palms, and Electra My Love. And it's only $38 for nice all set. of those yeah. movies. And the even more bizarre thing is that Kino, a few weeks ago, put out a set of just the roundup and the red and the white which was not that much cheaper no <laughs> but why they would they do that like two weeks before this set and we sold a bunch of those and i was like i kept meeting to be like uh you know there's like a bigger set coming out soon that's not that much more expensive so and i don't know what kino's thought process on that was they did the right thing they've been listening to this podcast obviously clearly, there's commentary clearly. on every one of these yeah, movies it's a pretty loaded set this is one we've sold out of pretty fast we got more on the way but uh yeah, people are down to check this guy. I listened to the sure. commentary on the red and the white, and it is excellent. As yeah. good as an academic commentary can be, which is like almost 
as if he had written it all out and was reading it because okay, there's like okay. excerpts and context and stuff like that. And, you know, this guy's filmmaking is basically kind of like expressionist. It's a little I want to say it's slow, but his movies are like 90 minutes, most of them. Okay. And they're all done in like long 10 minute takes that are like very labyrinthian and Speak all over the place. Language. So I like if that. you like that kind of stuff, you definitely need to check out his films. The only one that's not on here was like a sellout one that he did with um, the star of Red Desert. I don't remember what it was called. Richard Harris? No, no, no. The woman. No. Monica. Monica Vitti. Yes. He did one. I was looking at his like letterbox. I was like, oh, they didn't put this one probably because uh, okay. it was like kind of like, oh, we want to try to push him as like more. Right. an international star but you have all of the famous ones that he did and i mean i don't think they'll ever do it but he did like a bunch of comedies late in his career that i would love to see oh, okay. treated like this but um, i hope this is selling well maybe they'll it's do selling it well but. yeah i mean i was sold right from the quote at the front saying the greatest hungarian film director of all time from mr Belatar, who and I only love, 40 bucks and only 40 bucks. I think that they probably made a calculation maybe they got the package of films for really cheap yeah but they're like people don't know who this is so let's put them all together, and then we'll get some suckers earlier on who will buy the tube movie set. Yeah. And next up, we have uh, the 3D archives. Where, yeah. What are they called? I don't have the Blu-ray in front of me I because know, it's sold out. It's sold out, but we got more coming in. <laughs> I mean, I'm partly to blame because I yeah, got my copy too. Uh, it is Treasure of the Four Crowns, a film that I, for years, thought was directed by Antonio Margheriti. It was not. It was directed by the guy who did all of those 3D films, like Coming at You. I don't oh, remember okay. what his name is. Fernando something. This is why we need Fernando, the Blu-rays in front of us. Yeah. And I'm this sorry. movie, it's an Indiana Jones ripoff. What's amazing is these guys. They knew how to use 3D. The first 40 minutes of this film, uh, maybe not that, maybe 30, no dialogue. Wow. Just a guy going through like a bunch of traps. That sounds interesting. Yeah. I'm it's like, that. it seems genuinely like uh, experimental in that way. Oh, cool, cool. And then I think it gets more into, you know, classic like High Road to China, Indiana Jones style ripoff. Right. But if you want 3D stuff coming at you, I mean, it's all over this movie. It's never going to look better than it does on this Blu-ray. There's commentary with the star. That's what I like. Give yep. me what was happening when they were yeah, making this movie. So, yeah, it's an easy recommendation if any Indiana Jones 3D interests you. Yeah, and Akino is still carrying the torch for these 3D releases. They're really doing a good job. I can't believe they're still going. including the, the 3D the TV glasses, versions. Right? Yeah, 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 because you can't get 3D TVs anymore, but you can get projectors that project in 3D, yep. and they work with the glasses, like the ones that like flutter. Still don't work on still me. Still, people that have those TVs though, and look for new releases coming out. If and... there's any optometrists out there who want to do a free eye check, you know, uh, make 3D work for me, contact me. I would love to be able to see 3D again. So next up, we have Extreme Prejudice. This is a Vestron video release, and this is Walter Hill's Extreme Prejudice, which Mark admitted he has not seen. I have not, yeah. Always been curious because, yeah, I like Walter Hill, uh, like, you know, like Nick Nolte. I don't mind him. And I guess the reason I've never seen it is because the DVD was always full screen mm -hmm. and not very good, and everybody always warned me, ah, don't watch that, don't watch that. So I was kind of waiting for a Blu-ray to come out, and here we go. And it has been selling like crazy. I gotta say. People love Walter Hill. People love Walter Hill. This is his remake, essentially, with the Wild Bunch. And it's yeah. even got a cast of character actors like that. Nick Nolte, Powers Bruce, oh, Rip Powers Torn, Bruce. Michael Ironside. He's well, not Maria Conchita Alonso. Of on. course. And love Clancy her. Brown, who is not on the back oh, of this. He's Clancy one of the Brown. like part of the cool, team, too. Very cool. He's interviewed in one of the interviews in this, and he talks about all of his cast members. Okay. So, yeah, I mean, that's an easy sell, right? It's like Walter Hill never yeah. looked as good. On home video. I think it played on probably some satellite channels, but yeah. it's finally out. And the art's nice on it, too, because I think I remember the DVD just had like oh, a, a bland art. look, a bland photo of Nick Nolte on the front. Walter but Hill, like, like that 90s ish, late 80s run, is all like, you know, he did a bunch of westerns. It's like yeah. Wild Bill, and it's always just like the face of the person, or Geronimo, and it's like the face of the person. I, know, right? I can't tell these apart. Yeah. I was looking at his filmography and I was trying to argue, like, is Extreme Prejudice his last all out great film? And I know people will argue, mm. like, yeah. Undisputable. People like, like Undisputed, yeah. But the thing but about like those, the sequels better. Right? Oh, they're much better. The yeah. thing about Walter Hill is at a certain point, like John Carpenter, he's like, I want to change my style yeah. for this, you know, generation's youth. And that style is awful. It's awful. So bad. I think the last, like, new movie of his I saw, because I never saw The Assignment, mm -hmm. was uh, Bullet in the Head. And it's got all those, like, flash scared. frames. And, and I was actually kind of excited going into it. I'm like, this looks like some fun mm -hmm. trash. You know, Christian Slater plays like a villain. 
just so bland and like TV movie esque. It just not good. What not happened good. to it? And then like you know he had like tra- stuff like Supernova that troubled, uh, mm. which he kind of just got off. Well, it took his name off, right? I mean that movie's not good either. They're not good, but at least it's got some kitsch value. I but mean, yeah, in terms listen, of a legitimately good movie, the yeah, Supernova trailer, probably the Supernova trailer. <laughs> I love so the Supernova good. trailer. That now, sold me on it right away. Now owned by Peter Kaplowski. He has the trailer of it, oh, and he geez. said he will play it on any scope film that he's oh, playing. I love scope. it. I love it. That's so much fondness for it. Just wanna fly. <laughs> I rewatched Supernova a few yeah. years ago to see, like, hmm, is this as good as I remember it? It is not good at it's all. Awful. It is so bad. Everybody watches a movie because they see that trailer and it's like, it's got to be fun. It's but so as boring. A kid, for some reason, I thought it was you loved good. It? I loved it as a kid, and it's like, like, wow, I did had shit taste back then. Event Horizon, Supernova. Yeah, but even you know, like Event Horizon for me holds up. I know it doesn't for you. Supernova does not hold up. In, well, I mean, I don't. People would say it never even held up in the first no, place. No, there's nothing so, there. There's nothing. Next up is the Dorish Wishman collection, The Twilight Years. Finally, Dorish Wishman is getting the respect that she deserves oh, as she yeah. directs films in hell, as she said herself. <laughs> uh, you see that set on this one too? Did you see that clip I posted of her on Conan O'Brien beside Roger Ebert? I like that's really cool. I never knew she was on Conan. That's amazing. If people don't know who Dorish Wishman is, she was a renegade director of exploitation, sexploitation films. She started very early on doing stuff like Nude on the Moon which were nudist camp style films and yep. she did Ruffies which are not very available in any Blu-ray format but supposedly it's coming mm-hmm. according to this Blu-ray they're working on multiple Doris Wishman box sets. Well good because this one's selling like crazy. That's so why the box are... set has magnets on it I think because they'll lock in with the other ones. I gotta say though I hate these magnets that Vinegar Syndrome's putting in. When did they start doing that? Well the Cardona collection had them too. Oh because they want like, to lock together right? I, I get it maybe for collectors but like for us putting them on the shelf because we put them together and it's like it's so easy for people to like grab two or three instead of one and maybe like not even notice and then you have to bring it back and then you gotta like pry them apart it's just like uh, vinegar syndrome like <laughs> I know. there's almost no video stores that exist yeah, so we cares. don't care literally and you know what that's just like i know a, a mm. pithy complaint doesn't matter but this door switchman set has Probably the ones that everybody knows as the Amazing Transplant, yep. the one when the guy gets a dick. It has the two <laughs> Chesty Morgan films, yep. a very large um, comatose young woman who, uh, in one of them, she smothers people with her breasts. In the other one, she's a spy with <laughs> a camera in her breast. It also has Keyholes are for Peeping, the one that stars the Sammy Petrillo. Uh, I was going to say Sammy Petrillo imitator, which does not exist. He's a Jerry Lewis impersonator. Okay. He's very old in that movie. It's right. very sad. But, you know, if you're a collector, you got to watch it. It also has the Immoral 3, which is a non-sequel to Doris Wishman. Have you ever seen a Doris Wishman film, Mark? I've seen bits and pieces, but I don't know if I've actually sat down and watched one from start to end. So what's so, great about where do, her... Yeah, where do I start? Where do you start with uh, I would probably watch Deadly Weapons or... Yeah, that's... Like double agent 73. Because the thing about her is that she made a bunch of stylistic decisions based on the technology that she had and she stuck through it through her entire career. So everything shot in her bedroom or her apartment, which is incredibly garish, filled with like rugs and stuff like that, plastic covered couches. There's no sync sound. Not only are people dubbed, but Doris Wishman is the only person who decided that we want people not to know that it's dubbed. So there's a lot of shot of feet when people are talking, (laughs) random objects. The camera's often like to end the scene goes into someone's face nice. just if, like the camera is like leaning right into it yeah. uh yeah it, there's nothing like her work and this is a great set to get started to check it out it has a bunch of commentary tracks including an excellent one with michael bowen her biographer who's been writing a biography of her for 25 yeah, I years saw you post something about that That's <laughs> it's like wild. come on Dude, put it out it, man finish it yeah this was the albert Pugh issue which was i was like i don't want to be the definitive biography so i'm just yeah. putting it out there if somebody else wants to pick up the torch of course they can that's what this guy should do like just put it out there yeah come on man at that point have you been working it what on too long yeah what else do you have to say but is it like well i've been doing so long like it needs to be perfect it's never going to be perfect so it's, like come he, out. it's too much in his head now you yeah know? so this box set is finally out from agfa pick it up Pick it up. It looks beautiful. It looks mm. real beautiful. I love that the cover is uh, Chesty Morgan, but you can't see her breasts. They're so yeah. just like her eyes at yeah, the top right. of her neck. They know what they're doing. They know. Next up, we have Ilya Muromets. I can't say it. Uh, Muromets. It's also known as The Sword and the Dragon. It was an MST3K film. It's a Russian fantasy picture. And I finally checked it out. And it's widescreen glory shot in, I think it's like SOV cinema as a widescreen process they were using. Okay. And it's an interesting film. Did you watch it? I didn't. No. It's an interesting film 
film in that it's pretty slow paced, but there's so many like wild sights on screen that you've never seen before. Like even if you look at the back of the box, there's like a shot of like a, a yeah, guy standing up. Cool imagery. Yeah, the guy who made the movie was like a famed kind of like puppeteer, so it was like oh, a okay. lot of animatronic effects. Totally. But it was made in the fifties in Russia, so like you have to go in looking for those sights and sounds, but not expecting the you know uh, momentum that you would get from these kind of action adventure pictures. Right. This has a commentary with Stephen R. Bissett on it, and it's an excellent commentary track that okay. gives a lot of context to the original legend that was behind it, some of the background of the making of the movie. And there's a booklet that came with it, too, that reprints um, excellent articles about the director that were originally published in Video Watchdog in the 80s. And they just kind of, like, scan the, the pages and put them in the booklet, which is great. And there's going to be more because they're putting out uh, another one of his movies soon. They say, part two will be coming with his next movie in okay. the booklet. Well, this is cool. Yeah, this is another Deaf Crocodile release. I love and Deaf Crocodile. Yeah, I think we've covered every single one of the releases so yep, far they're great because they do them. uh international cinema that yeah, usually hasn't like, gotten that much attention yeah, or has never been released stuff. anywhere so i really like what they've been doing and i wonder what their mandate is like yeah, wh- who are they going through because they did unknown man of Shandigor. Yeah, was that was, Hungarian as well? I think that was Swiss. Okay. Like, do they have like a Russian connection that's getting them know. all these films? Yeah. So yeah, I know that. Interested to know who runs it. I don't think they, they do the remasters. Yeah. Like a lot of these partner labels right. usually don't do them. Like this, what I think this is available right. for free on YouTube if you look. Oh, is it? Because okay. the company like puts those up. Listen, if it interests you, you probably want to own it on. Oh Blu-ray. yeah. So next up, we have Top Secret. Uh, I mean, I could talk about this for like two hours. I love Top Secret. I love Top Secret. It's, so, yeah. it's probably my favorite it's, Zucker Abrams movie. I would agree, you know, like, yeah, I mean, I obviously love like the big ones like Airplane and stuff, but I feel like this one, you know, doesn't always get as much love and it should because it's so funny. And Val, we're talking a lot about Val Kilmer today. I love it. <laughs> That's true. Uh, Val Kilmer is so funny in this. People forget how funny he was when he was younger in the 80s. And yeah, great spy spoof and never on Blu-ray before. I was kind of shocked it had never been on Blu-ray before. This is one of those movies that I feel like people it didn't have a big you know uh critical consensus behind it yeah. like they were like that's the lesser one i yeah, feel like it's like the one it, people talk about the most now i agree yeah, yeah. whenever we i talk about spoof <laughs> films with people top Sorry, i'm just thinking about jokes in the movie like the joke where um a guy on yeah, a train station gets attacked by a bunch yeah. of dogs and then you hear the guy gets shot and yeah. then you see the dogs <laughs> dog biscuits in the back or so my favorite joke, and I think about it all the time, is the one where he's being uh, tortured and he gets knocked out. Yeah. And then he has a dream where he's like, what's going on? Oh, no, I didn't study for the test. Yeah, yeah. And then he wakes up and he's being whipped and he's like, oh, phew. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, those are so good gags. So many. It just makes me miss the, you know, the prime era of spoof movies when, like, the Zuckers were at the top of their game. Zuckers and Abrahams at the top of their game. You just don't see spoof movies like this anymore. They don't I feel like this like, movie either. They don't like, like it. The Zucker eh? ones, yeah, because sure. it didn't make a lot of money at the box office. I think this uh, came after Airplane. It did, And yeah. they blame it on it not having a proper plot. And I'm like, I don't think that's the <laughs> issue. <laughs> like, Yeah, that never bothered me. Uh, so many good songs, too. Yeah, uh, Like, right? ski shooting. I don't, uh, know, I don't know why it never got the same sort of acclaim, but... I don't know. I, I mean, definitely people love this, you know. Like I was saying, every time I talk spoof movies with people I mean, that's that like them, this is the one Loaded that Weapon, Top Loaded Secret. Weapon. When yeah. is Loaded Where's Weapon going to get the blue screen? Yeah. That's like a Warner Archive waiting to happen. It's yeah. an HBO film, so it probably it will never come out because I don't know who don't does know, HBO. Warner, Warner does. does? So it could be HBO stuff gets archive releases, so it could be a Warner Archive. Do that one and the uh, Dollar for the Dead, Emilio oh, Estevez, Spaghetti Western that. one, inspired by Hong Kong films. Yeah, I got to watch that. All right, next up. So I have to apologize. Dark yeah, Knight of the you, Scarecrow you have to 2. apologize to me. This was supposed to be our blind buy, uh, Dark Knight of the Scarecrow 2. And I just, yeah, I couldn't watch it. And yeah. I didn't have time to come and get a copy. Uh, did you crack one open for rental? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no one's going to rent this. It's so cheap. Oh. And, you know, I was just going to give it. We've rented it once. Okay. But it's to somebody that just takes, like, everything. Yeah. Too. And if not, I can always sort of, like, reseal it or something. You know, and try to sell back. it for as the price yeah, slowly drops exactly. in the bargain. But, you know, I was like, it's so cheap. But I like the idea of sequels long after the fact. Well, tell people what Dark Knight of the Scarecrow is. Well, Dark Knight of the Scarecrow, if people aren't aware, is a pretty... I don't know. TV cult, movie. Cult well known favorite TV movie, yeah. early 80s TV movie with a lot of famous faces. Charles Durning, Larry Drake. What's his face? The guy from uh, who plays the villainous coach in the Mighty Ducks. I'm blanking on oh, his I don't name, know what his name but is. He's, yeah. yeah, he's in it. Um, the guy who's like, you're supposed to win, Emilio. Yeah, win, win. <laughs> coach Riley, basically, mm-hmm. the guy who plays him. 
And he's great. Oh, Lane Smith, that's his name. So, and yeah, a bunch of other people. The original Dark Knight of the Scarecrow, I'd actually never seen until recently, but I'd always heard about it. I always knew it was a big thing. And I watched it, and it's actually really good for like a TV movie because it was supposed to be released theatrically initially, and then it didn't. It went to TV. But it's a solid movie about uh, Larry Drake, who plays, you know, a mentally ill older man. which <laughs> Simple is, Jack style. Yeah, yeah. Simple Jack style, who basically they think he like kills a young girl, Charles Durning, and a bunch of the locals. <laughs> Basically, kill him. Basically, through yeah, a they, complicated series of events, he suit. ends, up, he in ends up in a scarecrow suit because he's trying to hide, yeah, and, and he gets stabbed. Sh- stabbing. They shoot him basically mm. on the. I thought they stabbed him. No, they shoot him. Yeah. I thought Dark Knight of Scarecrow. Pitch, they make it seem like he's trying to stab mm-hmm. them, but they actually just they basically blow him away like RoboCop style on the. Uh, Oh, the Scarecrow. I saw thing. this movie when the screenwriter, who also directed the sequel, who directed the sequel, was yeah. like on a tour and he showed it in cinemas. Like, yeah, more did a screening because of it I think I it to. built up a cult following long mm-hmm. after the fact. There was a VCI who put out the sequel. They put out the original on Blu-ray five to ten years ago in a newly remastered version, which is the one I watched because it's on Tubi. It's like mm-hmm. readily available and it looks great. It looks really good. They did a great job with it. And I was so I was curious. I'm like, forty years later, the screen writer has come back he hasn't done much else besides dark knight of the scarecrow he has a story to tell in this movie. he has a story to tell the director of the original one was frank de felita who did a lot of tv movies back at that time that were well acclaimed but obviously he's dead now i think mm. <laughs> obviously obviously right <laughs> he's not around uh but yeah the writer jd fiegelman mm-hmm. <laughs> Is that his name? Yeah. I mean, you have it in front I know, of you. I'm like, where is it? Oh, it's right on the front. J.D. Feigelson. Yeah. It's J.D. Feigelson. Who is Dark also of the very Cartoon. old now. You know, he has another story to tell. And, <laughs> you know, the best I can say about this movie is that... It's bad. He's trying. <laughs> <laughs> I was, like, dodging bullets. I was like, oh, Mark, yeah, I can't find you know it. Like, I genuinely yeah, looked. When, I couldn't find it. Because I remember when I first suggested it, you were like, oh, <laughs> okay, I guess so. And I'm like... And then when you said, like, you couldn't find him, like, uh, he's just trying to sneak out of this one. Because I had watched it the night before. I'm yeah. like, you know what? It's probably for the best because, yeah, I'm not sure I would recommend this as a blind buy. It, as In terms of the story, it has nothing to do with the first one. Mm. Basically, it's got a new single mom and her kid have come to the same town because they're on the run from the mob. They, like, <laughs> basically, they, like, she, like, ratted on some mob guy or whatever. So they're, like, on the run. And the spirit of Larry Drake's scarecrow is still around. And as these mob guys come to the town, basically he becomes their protector, the scarecrow. Ugh, I bad. don't know. It's, it's cheap. It's bad. Yeah. But I will say, you can tell Feigelson is going for something. Like, he's trying. Is he? He has a story he's trying to tell. <laughs> you keep going back to that joke. I it's not that, that he great. Has a story. He, has he does a story, not have a story He has a story tell. he's trying to tell. Is it a story that I found particularly engaging? Not really. This but. is one of the rare films. Every time you see one of those cult people go on like a tour, they're yeah, like, I'm working on part I'm two. On and part it's like, two. yeah, sure you are. This one came out. Came so out. there's something, you know, something impressive. But the problem is there's no extras on this either. Like mm-hmm. he didn't, you'd think he would have put some extras on this or like he'd yeah. be that jazzed. But yeah, they don't have anything on this He's at like, all. He's like, I was hoping for a Shout Factory release. Yeah. But you know what? While I don't recommend this, we do have the original Dark Knight of the Scarecrow on Blu-ray. That always sells well. Pick that up because that looks great got some features on it i believe and it's a great little early 80s chiller that's good for the whole family too because it's a tv movie it's a tv movie it's a even pretty though intense a, though there's a few violent yeah. moments and the way charles durning bites the dust at the end is pretty doesn't he get thrown in a thresher no well he gets he's being chased by like a thresher. yeah thing, yeah yeah right? oh no um what's his face the mighty ducks guy he gets thrown okay. into the, but then he's like getting backed up back and he basically backs up right into the pitch before oh, um, yeah, the scarecrow. Yeah. It's a good ending. It's a good ending. So next up we have ah the Jim Cummings Club. We all love Jim Cummings, right? You know, this is the first Jim Cummings film I've seen. Still haven't seen one. You haven't seen <laughs> no, one? I'm still dodging the bullets. <laughs> have you is there a reason why you haven't seen no, one? No, there Do you isn't. Find it irritating or uh, no, not really. Even though he's weirdly all over Twitter. He's on Twitter all the time. He's one of those guys he's that's one of those always guys like, like, make fo- something. Yeah, make follow something. your mission. Which I like, mm-hmm. but also it's like, but you're like a white straight guy in Hollywood. Like, it's easier for you to make something than, like, anybody to make something. I don't know. It's weird. But I get it. I like the vibe. I like the vibe. Like, uh, people really like Thunder Road. Uh, And then he made that werewolf film. And I always got really close to watching it. But then no one was, like, super enthusiastic about it. I knew a lot of people that were really into it. I just... And I've been meaning to catch up with mm-hmm. stuff. I just haven't. Uh, this one, <laughs> the beta test, his new one came out, and it just kind of like was more up my alley plot wise because it's yeah. You love about betas, of, right? Getting taken yeah, down, right? Well, it's sort of like it's hard to describe. I mean, it's like a Hollywood 
horror, suspense, satire. It's it's almost like an American Psycho-esque thing, mm. but in Hollywood mm-hmm. with like sleazy agents. Isn't that every day in Hollywood? Yeah, exactly, hey. right? Which you could think which you'd say, like, oh, that's obvious. That's been done before. But the way he does it is fun. It's very surreal. Um and he, I guess I've never really seen him as an actor because I haven't seen his movies, but he plays the lead role and he's really funny at it. He plays that like squirmy, smarmy agent dude really well. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I just think it's got like a lot of um, insight on just the way Hollywood works these days. And like, yeah, there's been so many Hollywood movies, but this one just worked in a really fun kind of offbeat sort of way. So I'm, re- I'm down to check out his other stuff. I remember a tweeting made which was like, going to a story conference, gonna yeah. make some movies. It's like, how many movies are you making? He's not, he's not like a Soderbergh. Like, he's not pumping them out. No, this is his third film. In five in years, five I think. Years yeah. or something, yeah. And yeah, I mean, and he co-directed this one. I think he solo directed his first two. I don't know. This one's definitely, from what I've seen of one and two, I think this one's a little more <laughs> One and two, as we call it. Yeah, Jim two, Cummings, yeah. one, trilogy. two. Yeah. Jim, uh, but yeah, it's definitely got a polish to it. But yeah, if you like Hollywood satire stuff, then you got to check this Ugh. out. Nah, not no, really you're my not thing. into you it. You know what? I think I want to watch this I one. I think you might dig it, though. I don't know. It's just got such a... We- it's definitely got a plot where you're not sure where it's going. And I and I appreciate that. Mark, my taste... not sure if it's a horror movie or a comedy or a... As you know, are expansive. Thriller. I like yeah. everything. <laughs> you do. I think you might dig it. I think you might dig it. Even though Mark will sometimes say, Justin, you'll hate this movie. I know. <laughs> Uh, we're going to come up to one a little bit we later. Will, yeah, Did we I? Will. We'll see. <laughs> Next up, we have Sundown. This continues the Tim Roth on an island having emotional turmoil movies. Last seen in Bergman's Island, remember? Oh, uh, right. You know, I haven't <laughs> seen that. I haven't seen that. Well, this also continues the Tim Roth and Michelle Franco um, collaboration. Who's Michelle Franco? Fran Michelle Fra- so Michelle Franco is very much hated on the international Ooh, film critics why? these days. You ever seen New Order? Nope. So he made a movie called New Order a couple years ago. He's always been sort of a... Enfant terrible, shall mm. I say, of Mexican cinema. His first movie, Daniel and Anna, is literally about uh, a brother and sister who get kidnapped by nefarious people in Mexico and are forced to have sex with each other Eesh. on camera. <laughs> so that's the kind of filmmaker he is. He started working with Tim Roth a few years ago. He made a movie called Chronic, where Tim Roth is like a home care. Yeah. You know, he's like a home care <laughs> No one see me, uh, you know, yeah, striking a dude. dude. Not about that, but he plays like a kind of depressed home care guy. You just see him like basically take care of dying people. And then something really hilarious and shocking happens he to him. Yeah, the last two seconds of the movie. Oh, so two seconds. It's got one of those in. So this movie, and then he made New Order a year or so ago, which basically was this sort of pseudo-futuristic <laughs> look at Mexico where it's like the haves and the have-nots. Mm. Basically, it starts off at a wedding with rich people, and then they are ambushed by basically a, an uprising of poor folks who take over the country and humiliate the rich people. And a lot of people took issue with this film because Michelle Franco himself is a rich white Mexican guy. <laughs> But isn't it, if you want to make a movie about, I haven't seen the film, so I will speak out of my ass on it. I can see why people hated it. It's very like garish and over the top and kind of like blunt and obvious. I I had fun, maybe not fun, but I was entertained by it. Mark's a contrarian. I I I could see, but like critics hate him now. Like they'll hate for him. Just Why? They just hate his movies and his, I guess his worldview basically. Mm. And I get that because I guess I don't know enough about him personally, but I guess just because he's privileged and he makes movies about wealth inequality in Mexico mm-hmm. when it's like, but you're a privileged guy. I guess that's what only make bourgeois movies. I don't know. So Sundown, this movie was a tiff last year. That's where I saw it. It's with Tim Roth and Charlotte Gainsbourg, who play a brother and sister of some wealthy family. And yeah, no, it doesn't happen in this <laughs> oh, one. Oh, no one can see but what I was minding. Uh, they're on vacation with Charlotte Gainsbourg's kids. She gets a call that there's like a tragedy back home. They need to go back. And he just inexplicably is like, Oh, they get to the airport. He's like, oh, I left my passport back there. I'll, I'll meet up with you guys later. And then he just stays on vacation. And she keeps calling him like, where are you? Where are you? Oh, I've just, you know, lost my passport or whatever, even though he's got it. He starts a relationship up with a local girl. He And it basically turns into this thing where I think he maybe find if he's dying or something. Very enigmatic stuff. I really dug it. I thought it was really cool. I thought it was really interesting. I'm guessing there's no answers because the it's very is enigmatic, an existential yeah. mystery. Yeah, that means you don't really find out much about what's happening to mm. him. And then there, there's like some moments of cartel violence that happen in the third act, which are like kind of out of nowhere. I can see why people hate this guy, but I don't know. 
I, I dig his I dig his vibe. Contrarian Mark. He might be a huge asshole. Yeah, we life, don't know. So right? He's probably a huge asshole or something, but I don't know. I'm digging his stuff. Don't worry, guys. Tim Ross is going to be back up where he deserves to be as the abomination in the upcoming She-Hulk TV show. Oh, He's God, back, baby. Yeah. But you know what? I got to say, Tim Roth is great in this. I really, I'm Tim really, Roth is good. I've always liked Tim Roth, but like, I'm what happened his, to him? He kind of, yeah, he kind of disappeared for a while, mm-hmm. but then he was on Twin Peaks. You know, he started to show up again. Was he on Twin Peaks? Yeah, he was on uh, the Twin Peaks revival. Him what did Jennifer, he do on there? Him and Jennifer Jason Lee were that like hitman, hit woman couple. Oh. They were like parked outside the- I have vague memories. The Vegas house. Yeah. Anyways. <laughs> I don't know. So I'm really digging his performances these days. So maybe he's been doing he's um, really good in this, meditation. So. Uh, what is it? Because everybody in that show yeah, was part exactly, of the cult. Exactly, right? The David Lynch uh, TM. TM, that's yeah. right. Next up, we have Panama. Finally, Cole Hauser, best the, villain yeah. of the Fast and Furious <laughs> series. Good movies here. And, and let's put a big and here, Mel Gibson. And Mel Gibson. Although Mel Gibson's really only like, you know, the Bruce, Rill- the Bruce Willis That's why I focus on the and. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> And it's directed by Mark Neveldine. You guys love Crank and Crank right? 2 and Gamer. And Ghost Rider, Spirit of Vengeance. No. <laughs> Wait, did you say you like Ghost Rider? I do. Oh, my God. You're the only person. <laughs> but he and his partner, Brian Taylor, they broke up for mysterious circumstances. I hear from a friend of a friend. They don't talk anymore. That's so, weird. Yeah, I never. Who knows what happened? I never knew that. I thought they just broke up because they just wanted to pursue their own pro- projects. Creative differences yeah. over Ghost Rider, Spirit over Ghost of Vengeance. Rider? Is that because that was their last one? Right? I think I've said this before on the podcast. If you get the Ghost Rider, Spirit of Vengeance Blu-ray, which is probably five bucks. Which I have. Uh, there's a making of on it that's so good. And you can see a film crash in real time. At one point after test screen, they're like, yeah, you just don't know if it's good or not. Like you write on it, you write on it, you hope it's good, but you, you can't, you can't really tell. It's like, <laughs> we've seen the movie. We know it's bad. So, right. Uh, there's a funny scene where I think it's one of them are saying they want to do a shot or Nick Cage wants to do a shot. He's like, oh, but this will work. Right. And look in the camera and the cinematographer in the background is shaking his head like, Mm-mm, no, <laughs> great stuff. But anyway, Panama. So this is the second film that Mark Neveldine has done solo. Mark, the first one being the Vatican Tapes, tapes which is a terrible film, which is like, it's one of those horror movies that I, it pet, it's a pet peeve of mine when it's like, it's sort of found foot. It kind of half wants to be found footage, but half wants to be a regular movie. So mm-hmm. it like shoots both styles and it doesn't make sense at all. Taylor has gone on to have the more somewhat acclaimed solo career. I, I didn't really like Mom and Dad, but I know people liked that. He also did and a happy TV show that he directed right, almost every episode yeah. of and that lasted two seasons. But Neville Dean has just done the Vatican Tapes and now Panama, which is... Pretty much just your basic VOD action time waster. Saban film. It's a Saban film. Yeah, that's what they do. And, you know, it has this, like, sort of... It's trying to have this classy sheen of, like, well, this is, like, a real-life political... Because it takes place, you know, during the political upheaval of 1989 Panama. And Cole Hauser is some down-and-out army guy who's sent there on a mission. And Mel Gibson's his handler, basically. How is it bad, Mark? Is it... It's like, just boring. No action. There's no action in it. You don't really get any of that. Not that Neville Dean has much of a style anymore. He was a guy who would throw the roller skates on, though, and chase people around. They, so they don't do much of that anymore. There's maybe one or two moments where I'm like, oh, this feels like a Neville Dean kind of shot. But most of it's just your basic bland, like, shot in some random, because I don't think it was actually shot in Panama. It's shot in some, like some other South American or Central American place where they could. It's trying to be like this Bond-esque type movie with like fraction of the budget and Cole Hauser. Oh yeah, and Cole Hauser gets all the ladies in this movie. <laughs> he looks so old. And I like Cole Hauser, but he yeah. looks so old and bloated now. And he has this relationship with this like, she can't be more than like 25 at the most, this Panamanian girl. And it's like, Dude, like, we're really still doing this? Like, I don't know. All so, right. It's bad. bad. It's bad. Sad. Bad and sad. Moving on, we have... Now, this was the one I was excited for. <laughs> yeah, I was, I was a little disappointed that you didn't like this one This so is much. Paul Salette's Clean. Now, I've gone on record saying I'm a fan of Paul Salette. I didn't yeah, like his first film, Grace. You're more of a fan of him than I am, I would say. I like Bullethead, the one where yeah, Adrian Brody... I was kind of mixed on Bullethead. And I also like uh, the one he did, uh, Tread. Which was, oh, it's so good. Okay. Where it's like the documentary style, like recreation of the guy that jumped in a tank and just like attacked his oh, town. Oh, okay, okay. Uh, that sounds cool. Excellent. And I'm surprised it didn't come out on Blu-ray or DVD. Yeah, I don't know. I've only seen Grace and huh. Bullethead and then now this. We um, have Clean. Right. And it was an Adrian Brody, looks like John Wick exploitation film. And basically, I'm like, basically, oh, yeah. Oh, this looks so good. It's one you of those movies. You know how I feel about Adrian Brody. Oh, you love him. <laughs> Rasta Man himself. <laughs> The, uh, yeah. People don't know who Rasta Man is. Is that Just what he's look it up. officially yeah. called? 
I mean, he legitimately does hip hop beats. He and does, stuff. and his, I think that uh, that got he did him, the soundtrack. He did the score. For that got him banned from Saturday Night Live too. Is it that did? Yeah, he introduced the band as a Rastafarian guy. Very poor choice on his part. Uh, didn't um, ask them. I think that he asked and they said no, and he did it anyway. He did it anyway, which you know usually I would love, but not when it's racist. <laughs> it's like <laughs> you know? it's like Billy Crystal. You can't do the jazz man. Mark's like, I'm glad he stuck to his guns and he got out there in yeah, 2013 no, no. and did the jazz man for sure. Um, so that that's definitely a, a black mark on Adrian Brody's career. Also, when he like basically like assaulted Halle Berry on stage at his uh, oh, he, he kissed her right. He pulled the Jim Carrey. Yeah, he pulled the Jim Carrey. Yeah, yeah, different time. But man. clean. But clean. I had fun with clean. I know you didn't like it. And yeah, I know. It maybe doesn't have enough action for... Because that was your problem with it, right? Well, my it's main not... problem was it's a film where you're waiting for it to go off. It does take a while to And they go keep off. saying, yeah. like, Adrian Brody's the most badass guy. Like, I everyone's know. scared of Adrian Brody. And when he finally does do it, it's very tame. And it's not... Like, I want him, like, crushing skulls, breaking arms. Like, I don't need crazy action choreography. Yeah, yeah. I just need him doing stuff. And it's mostly an Adrian Brody looks sad movie, which yeah. I can understand which Mark's thought, all into. And maybe I was just taking by his performance, because I actually thought he was pretty good in it. It just as helping like, as minorities in his neighborhood yeah, exactly right he's definitely the white guy cleaning up the mm-hmm. the low-income streets but you're right there's there's like an early scene where he could he comes across like a bunch of hoods yeah. in the alleyway and you're like oh he's gonna lay him down and he doesn't he it doesn't keeps really being do a, like when are they gonna get to the fireworks factory yeah because he's trying movie. so hard not to be violent mm-hmm. that it's like they really wait and he's like no i'm not gonna be violent i'm not gonna do it and then he finally does it I had fun with it, but I, I mean, if you're I a Brody head, you got to check it out, right? Yeah, because I think he's good in it, and it's all him. But yeah, I can see it's not like a revelation or anything. Uh, and speaking of Adrian Brody, it's a <laughs> we Brody got a week. double dose. Of Adrian. I can't believe you brought this in because this is an Australian Blu-ray. It is. Of the this, is this is an Epix show, right uh, here. Brody. TV show called Chapelways based on Jerusalem's Lot, which is a short story that ties into Salem's Lot. So it's basically a Salem's Lot TV show. Basically, yeah. That uh, stars Adrian Brody. I've been curious. I haven't checked it out oh, yet. Oh, it's a period piece. It's in it the is, 1850s. Yeah. I've been, because I think it's a prequel to the Salem's Lot. What is Salem's story? Lot, though? There's a vampire. That's all it is. Like, there's yeah, not like, but I, I mean, there's the a history, right? Like, it's been I guess. over the, the town for centuries clearly, is there gonna be a season two so i don't I, know yeah i can't believe I've that i've been curious about this since i heard it was happening and then i totally forgot about it until it showed up on a pre-order list i'm like oh chapaway that was a thing i don't know it seems like it should just be a mini series but they say season one on the front so the title makes it sound like it's gonna be like broad church or something like that yeah like I know, a, right and they i'm do... trying to trick people to think it's like a british even the mystery. cover kind of yeah, looks like it looks that. like it's a british mystery but you know what we've sold we've sold a couple you're a brody head how have you not watched this a sh- show that stars See, Adrian it's Bro- TV, I you know, I just don't. Eight hours. It's like eight Satan hours. Tango. I know, it's eight hours. I got to just binge it all at once. And I also think it's probably just going to be terrible. But mm-hmm. <laughs> if there's Brody out there, I got to bring it in. I got to bring it in. Has Brody been vocal in like his politics? Is he on Twitter? Like, does he do that kind He's of stuff? pretty enigmatic, so mm-hmm. to speak. I, I remember he had some great cover shoot in some like European home magazine where he like, he lives in a castle. I don't know if he still does. but Nick he lived, style. Yeah, he lived in a castle in like Italy with his girlfriend. For All a that while. jacket money. Yeah, I know, right? <laughs> <laughs> Big fan of the jacket back in the day. Ugh. Yeah, not good. But um, I don't know. I don't know much about what he thinks about anything. Mm. You know, he's kind of just, I don't think he's in the public eye that much anymore. So moving on, this is one I want to say a long time coming. Yeah, what is it? Like three months coming? (laughs) Yes, this is the new Neil McDonough film Boone, which is our blind buy this week. And we discussed previously when we did the movie Redstone. Yes, and it's the same character from that film. And I remember that episode it ended with us being like, "There's a sequel coming out called Boone." I can't believe it. (laughs) It's here now. Because Redstone, they weren't going to make a sequel at first. From what I read, Redstone, because at the end of Redstone, spoiler alert if you're going to watch, he looks like he dies, mm-hmm. Neil McDonough's character. And Not that's how they were going to close it off. in this movie. But apparently, Neil McDonough loved playing the character so much, and he was like, to the director, Derek Presley, we've got to keep going with these Boone movies. So McDonough himself has co-written this sequel with Presley. And, yeah, I mean, they don't bring up... I mean, I guess you could play it like you don't see him die. Mm. He's just looks like he's in the process of dying but then at the end of this movie it's 
kind of a similar type way where it's way like is he dead like yeah. he gets shot but he's like limping away is he know? like jesus coming out of the cave because this is what we discovered we talked about neil mcdonald yeah. last time he is a religious freak a very a religious a, man a religious man and you know what i'm still willing to give him the benefit of the doubt when does he come out not, and say like i hate gay people that's the thing he has not done anything yet that makes me think he's a terrible person. I hope he does it because I love Neil McDonough. He's so the much. best, isn't he? he is Those piercing blue eyes. The piercing blue eye. He plays like a villain better than anybody currently, I think. And and he plays this role well. But, you know, the religious thing, uh, it just seems to extend to the fact that he doesn't want to kiss anybody else on camera. But he talks about it a lot, though, and the religious of, stuff. I know. One of his signature roles, though, in the last decade was on the TV show Justified, where he did a season-long run playing a really magnetic villain who was gay. But I so, wonder, this religious it, turn know. seems newer, though. Yeah. Because he's not, talked about, like, I did stuff in the past that I would not do now. But he still said, like, when he was, I guess, on Desperate Housewives, which I never watched, mm. that he turned down doing, oh, like, did. Okay. kissing scenes and stuff. Like, he was very adamant in that. And that was, like, the mid-2000s. So, I think he's been, like, in that interview, I said just in an interview about Boone, where he's talking about this, he said, like, as far back as his career started, he's never, like, they won't write sex scenes for me, they won't write kissing scenes, because I will never do it. I've never done it, I never will do it. It doesn't seem like it's a new turn. It's new for us, because I didn't mm. really know about this until we started looking into him. When he's, we like, the Red villain. Stone. Like, I remember him being on, like, Terriers. Remember that TV show? Yeah, you ever watch yeah. it? He was a villain on that, and he was great, too. Like, yeah. he's the best. Well, that's the thing. He plays so many, like, despicable villains. Not just, like, regular villains, like mm -hmm. really despicable villains that you're thinking like, okay, you won't kiss anybody, but you will like massacre the shit out of Which people. he does not boon. Which he doesn't boon, but for the right reasons, because he's the good guy, you know? What's funny about like him being such a big fan of the character of Boone is that there's no character there's there. not really a character there. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's just your typical sort of like former hitman. Yeah avenging vigilante type guy so in this one yeah it does it's a different lo redstone took place in texas somewhere now he's gone up to the pacific northwest in washington state somewhere he's hiding out in the wood there's an opening scene where he's running from jason scott lee first strike against this movie <laughs> jason scott lee in the credits does nothing gets yeah, shot twice literally. dies <laughs> yeah so then that's the end of jason scott lee yep but then, you know, he settled down in his, like, cabin in the woods, and... He's helping a young uh, wife yeah, and a son. you know that he's, like, next-door neighbors to a young wife and son who are under the thumb of the local mob boss, who's played by Tommy Flanagan, who's pretty good in it. I, I liked him. Definitely shot only one day. He never he leaves his office. Definitely shot only one day. But, you know, he's got a lot of hooligans that are harassing them a lot, so... Boone has to step up and be the protector because the the woman's got, you know, a small child again, just like the first one in Redstone where he has to protect a young boy. Same sort of thing. This is getting close to me wanting to recommend a film like this. You it's know not quite... It's, it's, it's not, better than Redstone. It is better than Redstone, but it's not at Beckman level yet. Yeah, it's not quite... The, yeah, Beckman. <laughs> wow. Speaking of Be religious Beckman. action heroes. See, Beckman's the best. That's the top tier of religious action heroes. Boone, it's definitely definitely more religious than redstone was oh yes they talk it's about god a lot front. they talk about god not as religious as something like beckman which is just like pure religious propaganda too much time um, with these movies spent with the villains i agree i agree because it doesn't matter so it's just like padding to yeah, like get to 90 all minutes stock villains mm -hmm. but when the shit starts going down in the last it 20 definitely, minutes definitely mm -hmm. it knows how to create carnage it knows how to create action like some of the kills are pretty brutal there's one with a spoon in particular that justin posted on his twitter if you mm -hmm. want to take a look which is one of the better kills i've seen in a movie recently uh what's weird about this movie though is that the squibs when they happen look great they use yep. real squibs yep it has the fakest looking gunshots and blood splatter yeah. effects i have ever seen it does it does just it, awful 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 well, stuff. that's the thing it's still for stretches of it you could maybe confuse it with like a legitimate almost theatrical action movie <laughs> but then there's moments where it's like it's vod sort of yeah budgetary roots show but what how hard would it be to, i don't know shoot somebody a little bit like earlier on and then maybe like 20 minutes in like that's all you really need like you just no, need, know. You need pop moments that like joel silver would like talk about haven't quite got the formula down like it's not <laughs> like this director's made like 40 movies I though <laughs> like <laughs> i know right and neil mcdonough should be pretty well versed in mm -hmm. action movies at this point but you know what for fans of this he's planning on making a third one and even a fourth one potentially so did he say he was gonna shoot him back to back that's what he said in that interview i think i mean or we're gonna be something there like, we'll be there we're we boonhead yeah now. we're boonhead i am a hundred percent a boonhead and i mean they're setting it up for a sequel because this one 
Um, unlike the first one where you could be like, oh, he's just dead. Here he gets away and you're like, oh, okay, he's getting... But then there's like a mid-credit sequence where he's like shows up again with the like gang boss to kill him. I so. actually went back and I was like, is that actual Neil McDonough? Because his face is in shadows. I know. And I don't is, think though, it right? is. Oh, I mean... I, I thought it was. The way that he was set up, it made me think that like... Because he and Tommy Flanagan maybe never interacted because they never share a scene together. Uh, they they did. They oh, shared one scene together. Okay, yeah. so when, maybe they did. When the woman brings him to mm. like introduce Boone as her protector or right. whatever. But so we'll be there. We're now Boone heads. We're all yep. up for Boone and we're gritting our teeth. The real suspense is like, is it going to be like, oh, watch out for those immigrants or something like that in the yeah, next movie? Yeah, that's the thing. I really, really. Uh, I don't want that to happen. I really hope it doesn't go in that direction. Mm -hmm. But yeah, part of me is like, oh, it's like, it's close. It's like, <laughs> it's walking a fine line, especially with how much they talk about God in this mm -hmm. one. It's like, I could definitely. Hey, if they're all New Testament, we're cool with hey, that. Yeah, yeah that's like, good. You know, and all the villains have been just like white guys so far. Mm -hmm. So I'm like, I really hope they don't go in like as Craig Zoller, like xena xenophobic kind of yeah, yeah, way, yeah. or yeah, homophobic or something. Haven't done it yet, but let's hope. We'll let's be there. Pray. We'll be let's there. Let's pray. <laughs> we'll pray. Let's, let's pray. <laughs> That's what Neil McDonald. That's what I will pray for. <laughs> all right. So uh, as per usual, base three videos open every day. Come on down. Yeah, buddy. Pick up your copy of Skip Tracer and Boone. Well, one shocker about Boone is they didn't release it on Blu-ray for some reason. Redstone they released on Blu-ray. Will Blu it come out on Blu-ray, though? Because remember we said this about... Uh... Redstone came out on Blu-ray at okay. the same time. And this is the same company. So okay, I so feel maybe it like, won't get a Blu-ray release. I feel like they're like, ah, nobody's Wait, buying I was going to say that Send It never got, uh, got a oh, Blu-ray. But it didn't. It, it didn't. didn't. It no, didn't, it didn't. No. So. so I don't think Boone's getting a Blu-ray. So maybe that takes it down a small notch. There's also no features on this or anything. I wish there were more features because I, I want to hear like, about the director talk about like well, his struggle making the movie or Neil, even Neil McDonough clear, being well, like. Clearly Neil McDonough loves this. We read that interview. <laughs> He's into it. So why couldn't he do like a behind the scenes or a commentary or something? I, I would love so, it. That's the only thing holding me back from maybe blind buying because it's something you could watch on VOD. Maybe. Yeah, I'm not quite in the blind buy territory. I'm not this quite there. Yeah. I would say if it wasn't so readily available on like VOD services, I would say maybe, mm -hmm. but you can just you know stream it or something mm. and then see where you want to go from there all right well until next week my name is Justin the clue and i'm mark hansen keep on buying keep on renting pray for boo pray for boo <laughs> these movies and many more are available at your local video store you know you don't even have to watch redstone you can just go right into boo you don't need to watch redstone you don't need to watch redstone no. it kind of stands alone i hope someone makes like a 20 minute or probably 10 minute cut of all nimbly done a scene from redstone <laughs> there's a lot of characters in that movie there are yeah and in boone I would say he's a star. He's the star. Yeah. 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 Redstone, he was more like a supporting a character. Mysterious yeah. supporting mm -hmm. character. I love it. When's the Boone Supercut going to come? <laughs>